0: Welcome back to CodingCat.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Brought to you by Cloudinary. Build faster with AI powered image and video APIs. Welcome back, perfect peeps, to CodingCat.dev podcast. Today we have Taylor on the show. What's going on, Taylor?
1: Uh, that was a great intro. I oh. really need to level up my intros. I've been on a few of these podcasts now, where like y'all have like a legit intro, and I was like, I was like it's like man, like I would love to have a good it's, interest That's kind awesome.
0: of hilarious because i'm like this thing's getting dated like we've been using it a while now and i literally was texting my buddy right before this i'm like hey i i need creativity Can you yeah help me it was great that's that's awesome great. that's that's good to hear but it will be changing hopefully in the the new year it's just kind of one of those things that you see it long enough you're like yeah we got it yeah no i get it,
1: it. i yeah. get it for sure
0: so what's going on with you
1: how are you I'm good. I'm I'm grateful to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's been it's been a busy um, you know last few months. Um, you know, I, I've talked about it a lot. Went through a job job change for the first time. I mean, I would argue my entire career, right? I mean, I, I guess you could say like is finding your first job a job change? Not really. Like, I think going from like one job to another is the job change. And so this is the, this was my first one ever. Um, okay. I was very grateful to be with one company for twelve years, um, and then um, decided to move on. Um, and then now I'm with uh, with a new company um, called Gun.io, or Talent Marketplace. Um, and 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 really, my role within the organization is, I mean, people ask me like, "What do you do?" And I'm like, "How much time we got, right?" So, I mean, <laughs> my, my my title is Talent Advocate. In a nutshell, my responsibility is to create meaningful content um to draw awareness um, to engineers and hiring managers back to our platform but yes. internally i work with our developer relations teams to help build community i work with our product team to help build the platform that the hiring platform that we're developing and then i i uh, specifically sit on the marketing team so i am a uh, i'm all over the place
0: I feel like, uh, I'm a DevRel and I feel like you could just slap that title on yours. It's kind of weird. It's like, maybe you're doing more reach out than I'm doing. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But regardless, it's, it's been a, it's been an absolute blast. It's been a busy last five, six months. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it more.
0: Yeah, for sure. So let's, let's like rewind the clock a little bit. Um, so you got started. I did some LinkedIn stalking before we got going, of course, Love uh, university of South Carolina. Tell me, like, like, what that journey was like and usually i say you know how'd you fall into web development yeah, right? yeah, like what is your story like how did you kind of go through a college and uh pop out the other side to this like 12 year career is it vaco vaco vaco, vaco. yeah
1: yeah it, it's super crazy so i i didn't i didn't even know what a recruiter was and to be totally honest with you i think if i knew what a recruiter was in college i probably would <laughs> i mean, to be honest with you probably not even finished college and just gone straight into recruiting because recruiting I was, like, really, it really is Taylor made for me. It, it is, but it isn't. And, and, and it made for Taylor. Yeah. But but in yeah. a nutshell, I think it is Taylor made for me. And so, uh, so I grew up in South Carolina, Columbia, a small town outside of Columbia called Lexington. Um, and I, uh, I, my junior year in high school, um, I, um, I was in the praise band at church and the youth praise band. I grew up Southern Baptist, all of my Southern Baptist friends out there. Um, and, um, I was, um, playing drums and my bass player for that Wednesday night, you know, Wednesday night services. Right. Yeah. Um, He was like, he's like, Hey man, you're pretty good. I said, thanks man. I appreciate that. He goes, do you want to be in a band? And I was like, Whoa, cause I've never been in a band before. I mean, I, I, I was in, I was in 11th grade. Right. And, uh, saying that out loud sounds weird. now as an adult. I was in 11th grade and I would never been in a band before. And, um, I was like, sure. I'll be in your bands. I just said, I was like, yeah, sounds great um so i went home and i told my parents i was going to be in a band they weren't super thrilled with the idea of me being in a band and the touring and stuff um and so um this guy's name was jake Etheridge, um and uh he and i and he, me him and two other guys played in a band i would argue for about 10 years oh um, wow and and, that, and it was the only band ever played in um and so i basically um played all through high for the rest of high school played all through college our senior year in college um uh we uh at South Carolina, Jake Etheridge was Did in you Houston.
0: all go to the same college then? You were able to uh most
1: of us did actually. Yeah. Okay. So Jake Etheridge was at South Carolina. He was a year ahead of me. Um, and then our guy, Danny Morris, at the time, he didn't go to South Carolina, he went to a local community college. And then our bass player, Ben, um, he ended up going to South Carolina at the time he was in high school. So that was kind of our core nucleus, but we kind of switched, you know, musicians every now and then. So we um went south went, went south Carolina, our in in our junior year we did a pretty decent tour right when I say tour I'm gonna have, preface this by saying <laughs> it's four dudes in a Nissan Xterra with like a bar trailer from one of like Jake's dad's buddies that was in the lawn industry right oh my so, gosh yes so definitely like not glitzy whatsoever no I'm
0: getting the I'm getting the image it's oh good. yeah
1: yeah no showers you know just living out of motels <laughs> or campsites right super and and people who know me now would giggle because I'm so bougie I love nice <laughs> <laughs> um and so uh we we went to nashville like so it was kind of like the southeast thing johnson city chattanooga all the way up to nashville and we played at uh, at at tootsie's yeah the the renowned tootsie's and this was but this was before kind of the this was before broadway became like super modernized is what i call it now like before you know kid rocks bar and yeah jason aldean's bar and all these bars down there so it was tootsie's was kind of still the og and we rolled in and we, we had a, we had a lunch, we had a lunch spot. Mind you, again, this is my junior and junior in high junior. In, no, this is my junior in college going on my senior year. And, um, uh, and, and so we played Tootsies and we played the back room. Uh, the back room was about 50 people capacity during a lunch hour. It was one of those where like we started and people were like, oh, there's these kids from out of town, whatever. <laughs> and we didn't play country. So it was even weird. I was like, why are these kids not playing country covers? Like, what are they doing? Cause we were kind of like emo folk pop. And, um, and then by the end of it, it was one of those where we had like seventy five people in the room, and and our last closing song was um, uh, Johnny Cash's song. Um, why am I drawing a blank on it? Um, it's when he played in prison, Folsom Folsom Fol- Prison Blues. Yeah. Is it? So, but like we twanged it up, and it, it, we we did a really good cover of it. So did and you? Did you do all covers, or did you have no record? no? We did no okay. covers. Like we okay. only had two covers in our repertoire. We had Fix You by Coldplay, um, and then this Folsom prison blues. And so we played that and people went nuts. Right. And it was really, really cool. Cause again, we started like three people up there and there was like 75 or so people. And, and, oh, yeah. and it was That's like, awesome. you know, of course we thought we made it. It was a Friday. <laughs> well, so there, there's an older gentleman that kind of like was there at the time. And, and you know how Nashville is, right? you just never know who you're playing in front of. And he was like, Hey, I really like you boys. And I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> so he was like, what about playing uh Rippy's barbecue, which is right across the street Friday night. We thought we had made it like you could have like if you could have asked us like people you, people we thought we were playing Bridgestone Arena right <laughs> and awesome. so so we played um, we played a few songs at Rippy's on a Friday night and of course we were over the moon it was like we're playing Nashville on a Friday night we've made it so then Sunday we played the Bluebird Cafe so Bluebird Cafe very obviously well known a lot of artists get found there um, Taylor Swift I believe I got found there Garth Taylor, Brooks yep. yep and so Basically, so Sunday is the only time the bluebird. I don't know if it's changed now, but Sunday was the only time they allowed full bands, mm. um, and it was more of an acoustic set, right? So, like as as a drummer, like I had to be kind of creative. So we played Tootsie's. Well, Jake Etheridge's dad knew a old singer songwriter, like '90s singer songwriter. Um, you know, like, like when country was really good, yep. he wrote a uh, Concrete Angel by Martina McBride. I don't know if you know that song. Yep, sure um, do. he wrote that song, and he also wrote like a That's really dope. famous travis tritt song back in the 90s or something okay. like that. but something about guns or something um <laughs> and so basically he was there and he was like it was kind of like a very nashville movie we got done playing he comes up to go says so he basically was like i want to take you under my wings and like try to get y'all to make it in nashville
0: you're like, where do I sign? Right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And we're like, great. What do we do? He goes, all I want you to do is to travel up here once a month to write with me. Well, I, I didn't write. And and this is this is kind of a this is kind of my thesis into why I'm so passionate about what I do, is because I came up to Nashville once a month for the for the for my entire senior career, and my ass stayed in my hotel room the entire time. <laughs> I did not network at all. I didn't know how to network. I didn't nope. know where I should really go to network. I mean, in hindsight, as a drummer probably should have been i honestly should have probably hung out with my lead singer jake at his rights like because again like like when you write a song together it's kind of like podcasting it's like nerd podcasting you get into a room and you write with two or three people and you're there all day of course you're going to become friends with those people so that's what i should have done even though if i didn't write just to be in the room and listen true but anyways i just kind of sat on my butt didn't network at all and then we moved to nashville um, and I, again, didn't know how to network. I was serving tables six nights a week, cool. um, losing money. And, and, and my dad grew up in the restaurant industry.
0: So sorry. At, at this point yeah. you've, you've graduated. Yeah. Or? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. So, so
1: whole, whole senior year. Okay. And then like a, a month before he left, I I went, I, I went home. I was like, mom, I'm moving to Nashville. And she goes, <laughs> we need to, we should talk because I just (laughs) sprung it on them. And of course they were fine with it. It was just my mom being my mom, just making sure I was, I was ready to go. And so Jake and I moved together in. so we graduated in May. So June of 2011 Um, we, we moved to Nashville and, and um, I, I, I played like with one cover band for a hot sec or I played for two cover bands. Um, both kind of knew Jake, like the people, so like that. That was my hand. Gotcha. Um, that didn't really do anything. I was never good at playing covers. Um, I, I never played it by the book, I was very rebellious, and Nashville did not like that. And so, basically, um, uh, I, I was serving tables six nights a week, and um, I was losing money because I didn't realize this. And again, this kind of goes to hey, if you're going to move to a new city for a job, like do do your research, like know know the lay of the land. I grew up serving tables at Outback Steakhouse in my hometown. My dad ran the Outback Steakhouse in my hometown for 25 years. Well, if you know anything about small towns, relatively small towns, chain restaurants are where it's at, right? Well, yep. when you go to big towns. No one eats at chain restaurants. And everybody eats at these mom and pop places. And so I was like, I'm going to kill it. Because I made decent money working for my dad three to four days a week serving tables. True. So I was like, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to work three days a week in Nashville. And I'm going to play the rest of the four days a week. Wrong. Nobody ate at this restaurant. I was serving. I was losing money every day. I was serving six nights a week, not playing any music. And like, I didn't know how to get out of, I didn't know how to get out of the right. nighttime jobs because now, like I, now idiot, I need rent. Now I need yeah. to figure out. Well, stuff. and my idiot self was like, I'm going to go take a valet job. And I'm like, I, like looking back, I was a moron. But the thing is, again, this is why I'm so passionate about everything I do is I didn't know how to find a nine to five job. True. I didn't know. I mean, I knew they were out there. I just didn't know where to look. I didn't know about LinkedIn. I didn't know about networking. I didn't know about recruiters. And so That's why I do what I do. I'm sure we'll get into it is that, is that I, I, I wanted to create something that 2011 Taylor needed. Yeah. And so, um, essentially, uh, there's this girl, there was like a group of us that moved up to Nashville collectively from my hometown. It was kind of crazy. And there's this one girl that moved up and she was nannying for my first boss at Vaco. And I was like, Hey, who do you know? Right. Very indicative of what I do now. Who do you know? She was my nanny for somebody and I'm like, I'm like, well, if they can afford a nanny, I'd love to love to obviously do that. And then of course, we hired a nanny this past year, which is really funny, <laughs> um, which it was, I was very sentimental with that sure, for a second. Sure. And, uh, and so essentially, um, uh, I interviewed, I got the job. And uh, I guess you could say the rest is history for 12 years. So.
0: So that's at, that's at Vaco. That's at Vaco. Yeah, okay. I was at Vaco
1: for 12 years. So
0: well, That's perfect. Now we can take our ad break and really dive into it. There you Earth. go. Love it. There you go. You, you set that up so well. All right. We'll be right back. Cloudinary allows you to remove any unwanted backgrounds so you can reuse assets efficiently. You can also erase objects and people from images for placement in new experiences. For more engaging content, easily turn static images into dynamic animations and rely on smart cropping to always deliver assets with a focus on the most relevant objects to your brand. Cloudinary Programmable Media. Build faster with AI-powered image and video APIs. So at this point, Taylor's talked to me about uh, kind of going to college, joining this band, traveling up to Nashville, and we're right at the point where you realized I need to make some actual money, and we're getting started into vaco
1: yep, yep. and
0: you started there as a recruiting associate,
1: that yeah that? I mean you could say that yeah so I was in a division um called uh national accounts at the time and they they were they that's it started that division started as basically like what do they call it like a a lost profit center, basically, like mm-hmm. we didn't make any money, but we allowed other offices to not lose money on big sure. accounts, right? So it, it was high volume, good. high metrics, high calls. You know, I would probably call you about a uh, enterprise client in the city you lived in that you didn't really want to be submitted to because you've already either worked there or interviewed there and you hated your experience, right? So mm-hmm. that's what I was doing, and then I took all my very first tech projects. I was recruiting like ten dollar an hour admin assistants to. I think the largest placement ever made was a CISO at Dell.
0: Let me, let me connect this back though. Yeah. Like why, why pick this job? Was it just like, Hey, you need money. And like, this this is literally the first thing. People ask
1: me like, why'd you get into recruiting? I was like, well, I was broke and I needed a job. I mean, I kind of had this mindset where I was going to be the best at whatever I did. Right. Like I, I I didn't know what I was going to do. I knew I was probably going to end up in sales. Um, because I went to business school at South Carolina. So, I mean, I knew there were sales jobs out there, but I didn't want to just sell just to sell. I wanted something more meaningful. So like, I, I, I kind of knew I was going to be the best at whatever I did. And, and so, um, I just did recruiting and fell into it and became addicted to it. I mean, it's, it's, it's this perfect blend of like people and it's this perfect blend of like building relationship with people. Right. Right but then also competing internally for things, right? Cause we're a sales organization, right? So we had milestones and accomplishments and, you know, free lunches and all this stuff. Right. So like, like there was definitely some huge perks. And when I joined Vaco at the time, we were only 200 million in revenue year over year. When I left, we were a billion. Wow. So, That's- you know, I, 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 saw a lot scaled a lot. Um, but that first division was definitely high volume, um and, and and i took on my first tech project um i recruited um there was a java project that that kind of landed in our labs so they're like hey we need there's like five to seven Java developers we need for this one client and no one raised their hand because everybody hated recruiting tag and i was like <laughs> yeah i was gonna
0: ask you so at this point like do you know technology no do you know not job at all i mean i was recruiting like
1: i said account accountants <laughs> and Admin assistants and okay. you know, Capital One would call us for a $12 an hour admin assistant. I recruit on that, and then I'd submit somebody that job, and then I recruit on a financial analyst for a telecom client in Denver, right? It was like one of those things. So, um, uh, so there there, there was a there was this Java project for this telecom client in Denver, and um, it, it the, the rec got canceled, right? The, the project got canceled, like a course that we're all familiar with that time I didn't know about, so I was like pissed, but basically the it got canceled but like i really really loved talking with developers i was there i was like you know i was asked. i was like what's java i don't know what Java is. like what is it and they would tell me i was like what do you do and then they were telling me like yeah i developed this platform that did this this and this i was like damn that's pretty cool so like i kind of started fall in love with tech recruiting there um and then um just continued to fall in love with it more and more and kind of you know we recruited for Yahoo for a hot second when Yahoo was still around they needed a bunch of MySQL DBAs and that was that was a wild search trying to find a bunch of MySQL DBAs so um so yeah just a lot of fun so i was there for 2 years in that division but then i realized that i needed to build relationships in person cuz this job was just just calls i mean yeah i At mean was time, it essentially
0: cold calls like it was, I was cold calls yeah. and
1: on top of that we never did zooms like in hindsight like i could have probably done a lot more damage and i mean good damage like building relationships if i did zooms with everybody sure. but like this was before i knew about calendly and and before zoom was zoom i mean i think skype was still hot then right yeah, and so because yeah. again this was 2011 so then i just realized i needed to make a move and i um i kind of told my boss and and the ceo at the time was like hey like you know here are some offices so i moved to raleigh i was in the research triangle okay. area for a year um and that's when i really started to get a taste of at the time i didn't know what it was but it was community and so um i got really invested um in the net meetup group in, okay. uh, in raleigh great group shout out rob zelt um uh, david green um you know jim duffy all those guys really took me under their wings and um it was a relatively aggressive meetup group. Like in hindsight, they met every week. It was crazy. Oh, wow, that was intense. One <laughs> week a month, it was a big meetup. So it was wild. They basically, yeah, it was crazy. I went to everyone I was single, I didn't know what else to do. I went to every single meetup, every single week, just with this one meetup. So I got in depth with the, these guys and gals pretty quickly How, how did up.
0: that feel like from a recruiter? Like us developers, we don't like marketing, we don't like recruiters. Yeah. Like, what was that like for you
1: kind of walking into that atmosphere? So, um, my mentor at the time, his name was Scott Gordon. He told me probably the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. And it was go to these things and shut the hell up. (laughs) Nice. At the time I was junior and I was like, Jesus, that seems aggressive. But actually I did. I literally, and, and, and he was like, you need to be more interested in what's going on than developers, so I'm not kidding you. I took that to heart. I'm one of those guys, like, if you tell me what to do, I'm going to do it. I would have done really well in the military. Like, I'm really good <laughs> at, like, following directions. To, I don't know, My wife may disagree with that. But, like, I'm really good at it. And, and I work setting the following directions. And so, basically, um, I, like, would take notes. I would sit in the front row. And now, in hindsight, I'd be like, I was a little probably extreme. But, like, I would sit in the front row. I would have a notebook out. And I'd be taking notes. They'd be talking about who knows what at that time. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is great. And then three months into me being in Raleigh, um, I got an elevator with, with a group of people and it was really funny. Cause they were like, well, where do you work? And I was like, well, Vaco. And then I knew where this was going. And, uh, cause no one had asked me yet. And they're like, well, you seem, what does Vaco do? Like you seem really dialed into this stuff. And I was like, well, we're a, we're a recruiting company. They go, <laughs> they go, what? And I was like, we're a recruiting company and like everybody scattered off the elevator. So fast. Like, yeah. yeah. everybody we'll never scattered. Again. Yeah. And so basically, you know, I, I just, I just read the room really early on. I think that's one of the gifts I have is reading a room really well. True. Um, And I just realized that like, I just needed to be one of the, one of the guys, one of the gals. And so I just kept my mouth shut and learned and asked good questions and, um, and then by the time I left there, um, after a year, I was drinking bourbon in the back with all these software architects, right? Cool. So like, so we're you you know, like
0: a .NET expert by the end of this. Time? Yeah, I
1: mean, they were like, you you should really set up, you know, Visual Studio on your yeah. computer. I was like, I was like, oh, no, you don't, you don't want me coding <laughs> at all. So, but what was really cool with these guys is is they really truly introduced me to the to speaking. Um, and conferences. So they asked me to speak at the Raleigh Code camp. So code camp's usually on Saturdays. It's local in that city at a community college. It's mainly geared towards getting students out to speak. Um, it's definitely not as big and glitzy as these conferences that happen during the week. And so I, I spoke and I'll never forget um, it was my very first talk. my very first talk was recruiters suck use them. I just retired to talk like just two years ago Wow okay. um, and basically, um, it was all Q and a because I, I went up there the very first time. And I said, the last thing developers want to hear is a recruiter talk at them for an hour and a half. So I'm just going to open up for questions. And it proceeded to go three hours because oh I was a session backed up to mind you, just my very first time speaking. Um, it backed up to lunch and I was like, all right, y'all can leave and no one left. That's cool. And so everybody just got lunch and came back and we went three hours. It kind of what happened with me and Kelly Vaughn recently at Connect Tech was we did the exact same style and it went like two hours and we were told we had 45 minutes. So uh, so that was really cool, which kind of then really kind of catapulted me into I'm only doing tech. I'm only doing engineering recruiting. This is what I want to do. So I moved back to Nashville to basically take my mentor's job, which was being kind of the engineering recruiter in nashville
0: nice and so at this point like you've solidified and you've decided like recruiting i'm saladin i've i've gone to this meetup like yeah. i can i can talk with the developers i could re- recruit them all day long are you becoming more like a director and people are learning from you and like how to do this now what's what's this next phase look like
1: yeah and i'm glad you asked me these questions i've never actually dove in with any podcast just this granular about my work history so I'm, i love this um so moved back to nashville in 2013 uh met my now wife two months after i moved back which is wild um and uh so i, I moved back as an individual contributor it was okay. like hey you're gonna come back you're gonna recruit but i was kind of at the time when i say the golden child i mean i i, I kind of was and if people have they could listen to this and they roll their eyes. I don't care. But at the time where I was at Vaco, we were very young. I was this 21-year-old that like was kind of annoying. I was very annoying when <laughs> I first started. I kind of did some maturing real time as I was, and then I started to kind of really draw attention of the tech community, kind of coming back to Nashville. I was elected VP of the.NET User Group, which at the time was the largest user group in Nashville. We were averaging about 65 people every meetup once a month. Um, and that's, that's uh,
0: really insane to me to not see a developer in that high of a position for a .NET user group. That blows
1: my mind. Yeah. I mean, I, was, I and, and that's, and that's when I knew, I think I had a gift yeah. is, is cause I mean, it was an open election and, and and I went up against developers every single time. Um, and I won and, Um, and so like I knew I kind of had a gift and I wanted to double down. And again, I didn't know what it was, but looking back on it it was community, right? It was it was developing community, being a part of the community. And so did that for three years. Um, moved into a team lead role at VACO. So they were like, Hey, we're not gonna give you the full reins of the division yet, partly because we weren't super big at the time. We were starting to grow. So I was responsible for basically training up um like kind of this junior program that actually Vaco big Vaco adopted. Years down the road, Uh me, me and my boss were kind of the pioneers of it. And because we realized early on that to build the culture that we needed to be successful as a team, we couldn't hire recruiters from other companies because there's just a lot of baggage, a lot of bad habits, a lot of ego that comes with recruiting. So I was responsible and I was like, listen, I can commit to this. So I trained up every, like we would hire people who were like, like worked in the music industry to, you know, were Servers and bartenders. I mean, we did we no tech experience. I was responsible for training them up.
0: So, are you looking for people that can just talk to other people? Yeah, I,
1: I I wanted like high EQ people, very emotionally driven people who are also insanely competitive because that's who I am, right? Okay. So and that, and it's it's hard to find. It's, and 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 we hired some duds, and that's fine. But for the most part, we had a really good team, and um. So grew that from three. So we had about three people was very successful, promoted, you know, three of three. And then at that point, my boss came to me and goes, all right, you're recruiting manager. We grew the team at, at its peak was 12 people. So it was like nine senior recruiters and then three kind of these junior recruiters. Um, and so I was responsible for that group. And, and really the feather in my cap was, um, I, when COVID hits, obviously the market booms, um, before any of this happened it was always just two tech recruiters on my team so put in it was always me and this girl i recruited with she's a recruiter at DataDog now okay um but it was just she and i would always go to our awards trip no no other people could qualify well the last year i was managing the team um at that point five of the seven recruiters qualified which which was kind of the you know probably one of the proudest moments in my career yeah, that's, that's really incredible yeah and so
0: by the way, Datadog at AWS had the most ridiculous booth I've ever seen. Do they really? Do oh they really? Oh my gosh. They had they had like six foot tall monitors with all of their like metrics on them. And oh. I'm talking like there's 10 or 12 of these things. I'll share a photo with you. Yeah, guys. you should. That's it's crazy. Unbelievable.
1: That's crazy. Um, so um uh so we uh, I'm trying to see, just try to summarize this. I feel like I'm like just rambling, but basically grew the team and then okay, so then COVID hit. And I was speaking at a lot of tech conferences that I was starting to really get in a rhythm now at these tech yeah. conferences. Cause there's no, there, there was like no recruiter sponsoring, let alone speaking. So I was like, this is, this is, this is easy. It's like taking chocolate from a baby. <laughs> and, and then COVID hit and I was like, well, shit, now what? Right. Stop so, flying
0: on the plane, pump the yeah, brakes. Yeah. How do we do so, this?
1: So now at this point in my career, it was 2020. So that it was nine years into my career. I was very disenfranchised with how you typically recruit the cold calls, the cold emails, yes. the cold DMS on LinkedIn. You get them. Everyone gets them. I, I just was, I was tired of it. I was good at it. Right. I was really good at it. one of the things that I did really, really well is I was very good at the blocking and tackling. Like I said, if you told me to do X, Y, and Z, I will do X, Y, and Z until you tell me to stop, which could be nine years. Right. right. My colleague, Alethea, who I've recruited with, who I told you is that data dog now, she was terrible. she would admit it now uh, i'm I'm not saying anything she would not admit. She was terrible at that stuff, right? <laughs> like I'd be meeting twelve to fifteen people a week, which is the number that we were supposed to meet. She would meet like three, <laughs> but you know what she would do is that she would take out people to dinners, yeah. like group dinners and group happy hours, and I was like I was like, I was like, man I gotta get to that level. So then I finally made the conscious decision why i'm 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 putting my because i at that point, I was like, I gotta make a decision. I was like, I got to put my, I got to draw a line in the sand and be like, you know what? This is what I want to do. And so I started content. This was 2020. So I spent nine years of traditional recruiting, blocking and tackling. And finally, I was like, you know what? I'm, I am so tired of doing this. I want to do something else. I went full-time on content creation. And so, well, I wasn't full-time. It was, I kind of eased my toe, you know, eased my body, put my toe in it first. And, (laughs) and, and it kind of, I mean, it's, it's, it's completely transformed my career for the last three years. Yeah. And it's been incredible to watch.
0: Like, I think I saw some of your early stuff and like most things like, okay, I didn't see anything for a while. And now all of a sudden, like you're everywhere I turn and it's, it's crazy to me. Um, which probably brings me like, it, it'll take you back a little bit, but the one thing that I saw that grabbed me and it hit my heart, like my heart strings. Uh, you have this video out about your, your dad and kind of like, looking for a job essentially which is like your whole career this is what you're setting people up to do like can you talk me through what that was like and and the feeling of like maybe that's how you treat everyone you run into that's looking for a job what what what's that mindset
1: yeah no that was a really defining mindset for me and it, and it really showed me that I need to create content more because so my dad Left Outback Steakhouse after 25 years. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was like 2019. And so he was owner manager, what- yeah, partner. I mean, he was very okay. high up. So, I mean, 25 years killed it. You know, I always tell people when they interview me about my dad, um, I respect the living hell out of how hard he worked for my family. Um, and uh, uh, but then I'd also never want to be in the restaurant industry. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, my dad came to me and he was like, Hey, Taylor, he was like, You know, I need to. Um, I need to find a job. I was like, you do? And he was like, how do I find a job? He goes, Taylor, get this. He goes, last time I looked for a job, the internet didn't exist. Right. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, you're old. Uh, and so I was like, well, give me, give me a day. Cause I was like, Can my dad, I love him to death, but he's like one of those dads. He's like an angry texter, tech illiterate, <laughs> like, you know, answers the FaceTime like this, right? Oh, and yeah. it's just a disaster. And so, that I was has like, to be got
0: so hard, though. After twenty five years, going now what? I I'm know, like, isn't that
1: crazy? Oh my gosh! Like, I can't even imagine. I mean, I was twelve and I was panicking. Let alone twenty five. Right. And like the restaurant industry too is hard. Yeah. Like, it's not like the, it's not like the, it's not like the recruiting world. Like, I mean, I was very blessed to get a get a fair amount of offers. Like, the day I left Vaco, I could have gone and been a recruiter anywhere the next day. I didn't want to do that, but like, you know, same with the tech industry. If you're a developer and you're not a jerk, you can pretty much find a job relatively quickly, right? Yep. Restaurant industry. I mean, in my, I mean, Columbia, South Carolina, is not a big town. So like, so I told my dad, I said, all right, listen, this is what you need to do. I said, you need to have one conversation a day with a total stranger in your network. I've kind of changed this a little bit. You should do one um you should do one stranger a day and then somebody you know a day so two conversations a day i would modify that now if my dad came to ask me dad if you're watching this there you go but for me i, I like told him that i helped him write his resume and like after he paid a resume writer to write it i was pissed at him i was like dad are you serious how much did you pay this person He goes, 250 bucks you could have given me a, a 249 and i would have done it way better <laughs> so i rewrote his resume um and then 3 months into his job search he got an he got an offer because he stayed consistent of messaging people, lunches and coffees and he got a job. And so after that my my brother was on the job search that same year and so was my mom and I helped all of them navigate the search in their own ways. And after that I was just like I was like, man, like I need to I need to share this information with yeah. the world.
0: So let's let's break this down a little bit. Um, I I think so. I went through a job loss and like had to find a job. And um, prior to 2020, I was probably on the path where like I would get taken out by a recruiter. We'd do a lunch, you know, I we'd all do our pleasant highs buys. Here's my deal. Here's your deal. Whatever all that stuff was, and that's what I was used to. And then uh, so 2023 rolls around. What do we have? Like three quarters of a million job loss. Some or not million three, whatever, you know, what I'm saying a lot of people lost their jobs this past year. And when you go out searching now, it's all these like, just random jobs that people like need access to. Is it the same? Or like, I did not experience it the same way as I did in the past. And so you're kind of saying, reach out to your network, reach out to a stranger. What is that like from like the recruiting standpoint and getting into that cycle?
1: yeah i'm gonna see if i answer this i can answer this question uh it was like program. 12 questions i'm sorry yeah no you're good so i mean it's a muscle right and it's I, so i have a discord um i i help run it it's the gun ios public discord um i can send it to you for the show notes um but for sure basically somebody was asking this or like you know what does it mean intentional conversation like what does that all look like so he, here's how and this is what i did with my day like for me, this it, it takes a lot of effort to get some rando on the phone. And and I think people think, oh, one conversation, that's easy. No, no, no. You don't understand the amount of DMing, commenting, liking post, then moving to the DM, asking a really thoughtful question to get that person. Like it, it's a lot of work to get one person on the phone. And so but like, that's what a recruiter did. A recruiter, we would meet three people a day. And so I was like, well, no one, th- 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 like we had it a little bit better because that was our full-time job. So how do I really dumb it down? And I go that one person a day. And for me, and what an intentional conversation looks like is, is having a conversation of where you learn something from that person, right? So, you know, this person in my Discord was asking, they were like, well, how how do I you know, how do I do this? How do I navigate this? And for me, it's, it's having a conversation and learning about a company you want to work for. Or you, you admire this person in the market. They're really good at AWS serverless. And you want to have a conversation with them about a serverless question. That's an intentional conversation. But yeah. I think you have to know and you have to know what you want to talk about for getting these conversations. Like A lot of people are like, oh, I'll just message people. Like, well, what are you going to message them? Hi? And uh, there's a lot of DMs that are just, hey, don't do that. Right. I talk about the three ways to write a really good DM admiration, flattery. Right. So like, you know, I would message you and be like, hey, dude, love your podcast. Big, big cat guy myself. Right. Um, you know, would love to chat with you actually about how long you've been doing this podcast. and What are your biggest struggles with having a podcast? I'm sure you'd probably take that call if I said, hey, I got one question. You mind just hopping on a quick zoom? I'm sure you'd be open to taking that.
0: Yeah, that's so, I just I just got that DM from somebody else yesterday.
1: Did so. you really? That's yeah, great. I'm
0: meeting with them Friday.
1: Uh, there you go. So th- that's what I think people miss. I think people think that they can just message hey and it happens. No, no, you have to like like if you want to go work at Airbnb because you're passionate about traveling, like that needs to be in the DM. Hey so-and-so would love to work in airbnb i'm not trying to get in with airbnb all i'm trying to do is learn more about airbnb and how to you know how do you like working there sent and so it's those type of conversations that need to happen and accumulate over time to be able to really move the needle in finding a job especially in this market right now
0: and the and the goal behind those conversations like if you have I want to work at Google, right? At the very top. Like, what are the twelve things that are going to get you to that final? Like, now I can apply.
1: You know what I mean? What, I mean, there. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on how to prep for like a Google or a Fang interview, sure. right? But I mean, for me, like, so for example, I want to give a shout out to Anthony Mays, right? Anthony Mays is an incredible individual. He worked at Google. He left Google because he wanted to make a larger impact than just pushing code all day nope. and so now he does a lot of career counseling he has his own thing it's morgan morgan i believe um and and he talks about this but he was like i i, I think people people have people don't have a lot of knowledge when it comes to learning how to prep for this stuff so he provides it from like a fang perspective sure. but then people don't have a schedule in place right a lot of what i talk about and i'm really i'm i'm kind of a freak about your daily schedule and i'm and my wife gives me a hard time cuz i'm so regimented again i think i would have done well in the military <laughs> but i'm so regimented and and i think what what anthony's talked about and we've talked about on my podcast guidance counselor 2.0 is a lot of people just don't even have like a process in place to prep themselves. Right. People kind of just go about this life of, well, I'm going to prep whenever I have a moment and then they keep putting it off. And, or I'm going to, I'm going to network later after I watch my Netflix. Like, and, and I think, I think right now in this market, especially like you have to, you have to be so intentional with everything you do hour by hour. When I was on the job search, I had a really good framework of what worked. And I think to get to a company like Google, it's it's a lot. It's networking, it's obviously knowing the code from a technical perspective. Um, it's knowing the people to get you in the door. Um, it's probably failing a few times. I think Anthony even said he failed two or three times before he got into Google. <laughs> so it's it's a pretty extensive uh road, but also too, like I, I know everybody wants to do FANG because of the stock options and and how lucrative it is, but man, there's some really cool companies doing some really cool shit that aren't Fang that you could learn a whole hell of a lot at from as well.
0: Yeah. I, I will say like I worked in enterprise for 12 years and getting out into the VC world, it's changed my life completely. So a hundred percent like yep. I agree with you. There's so many fun and like interesting jobs you can get into for sure. Um, I, I, I'm i losing where I, my head was. So as far as the tailor side of things, we kind of talked about like you going to to going to college and then kind of the band thing and like all these steps, but then like in 2020 content, right. I want to circle back to that because I think it's such an important part of your journey that you, you got to, what does that look like daily for you? And like, what, what do you have as being a high achiever, which I can kind of tell, what do you set up? What's, what's your day like?
1: Yeah. So yeah, I'll run you through my day right now. I, and, and I'm very blessed, you know, um, it just it was the nature of agency recruiting. I was doing six jobs at once. This is the first time I'm not managing a team in like six years. So it's oh. kind of wild. Um, so, uh, my day is, um, I mean, in a nutshell, AM is all content creation, PM is all meetings and podcasts like this, right? Like in a nutshell, that's what it looks like. If if you want to go super granular, get up at five thirty, um, in the morning, um, by six AM, I'm showered. And I'm doing some like meditation, you know, quiet time stuff from six to about 615 from 615 to about 645. I'm doing my vlog that I do every day. I do a daily vlog. Um, and then from six from basically from 645 till nine, nine fifteen. So what? Two and a half hours or so it's breakfast scheduling content across all platforms, LinkedIn, Twitter, Um, it's uploading my vlogs to all the platforms it's eating breakfast. And then my, and then I have a morning show guidance counselor 2.0 at nine 30. I hop on, um, with every guest at nine 15 to prep. Um, I don't do any standard questions kind of like this, just totally off the cuff, which I prefer. Um, and then, um, so that goes till 10 and then basically from 10 till 12, I am, um, I, I, I follow up with every single person who DMS me comments on my show. Um, I message every single person uh all all of my Discord channels I comment on. So basically from 10 till 12, I'm like in it, like just commenting, engaging with people consistently. 12 to 2, I break. So cause at that point I'd been going for six hours, right? right? So like my brain is pretty fried at that point. And this is something I've really just recently done. So eat lunch workout from 12 to 2. I just got back from the gym. I'm a little sweaty. Um, and then um, basically from two to five, it's internal one-on-ones, uh, uh, guest episodes. Like I, I am here podcast. Um, and then I try to end up at five. So, yeah, I mean, I'm working, I mean, I guess, I guess you could say, you know, 10 hour days. Sure.
0: Yeah. So, and gun.io is like the meeting block of that. Is that right? Or you, yeah, you yeah, yeah like no, kind of I mean the corner. meeting block.
1: Yeah. So I kind of bounce around between, you know, uh, gun.io, we built a, um, uh, so we have a talent product. It's really cool. Um, I'm very passionate about this. I actually was trying to build this at Vaco um, <laughs> is basically what I realized. So we as human beings, whenever we go shopping, right? We're we're in Christmas time, the holiday season um, when we record this, like you don't go into a store and it's empty shelves and you're like, okay, can you show me what you have?
0: I don't know what I want. Can you just show me?
1: Right. You go into stores and there's inventory already on the shelves, right? And You're like, I want this, this, this. So I was like, that's that's the way recruiting should be, right? Because I think like we have all this talent. The problem is, is that nobody does content. No one posts of what their inventory is. And so that's why people don't want to take, hiring managers don't want to take call from recruiters because they don't know their inventory. Like, great, here we go again. No inventory. I just have to hope and pray you provide me something, Yeah. So what I did is I created a Trello board and we hired one person to manage this hundred person vetted Trello board. Oh my gosh. Every week we made sure all those hundred people were actively on the market. Okay. And, um, and then when I interviewed with Gunn, they're like, Oh yeah, we've already built this. <laughs> and I was like, Oh wow. That's nice. <laughs> and you
0: don't need that extra person. Yeah. Then. You don't need an extra person.
1: We actually have <laughs> software engineers to build this stuff. And so, um, It was really a match made in heaven They They've um they hired me to do community. They really haven't had a community arm yet. They really don't have any social media presence either. So yep. I kind of filled those two gaps for them. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I mean, really with us, it's really cool. The app, you can use this app to search our inventory. If you need to hire across the world, you can like search the parameters that you have to see our available engineers. Um, We never exchange resumes. You can do everything in the app. You can schedule stuff. Um we actually have a technical developer relations team made up of we have a engineering manager formerly from Capgemini, we have the CTO from lottery.com, we have a former Amazon engineering manager and all these guys are on our devrel team that helps actually vet out talent as well. So I mean, you need need to
0: pause in there. You said you don't exchange resumes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. People build a profile in the app like they're submitting to a job, and then that's it. You never have to. Oh, interesting. You never have to do anything else. We just present your profile now. So when we saw on the call with CTOs and engineering leaders, we're like, hey, we don't send you resumes. Here's their app. And basically, we put a very strict process in on how to write your app. So we basically force you to write a really good resume.
0: Hmm. So is that can i what's the equivalent when i go on linkedin and like fill all the stuff out and like click the create a resume because for me i'm like i'm not writing another resume the rest of my life like just go out there and do that what's what's the gun io like advantage of doing that
1: um the advantage is is that like we get even more tactical on like hey give me give us your accomplishments not just your task or tell me how you move the needle and How would you classify yourself? Because how you classify yourself is how, you know, we search you within our system. And so for me, I was them
0: like, polish like what they are and who they are.
1: Yeah, it takes about an hour to to really fill out your profile the right way. I mean, I tell my people like, listen, I know you're gonna roll your eyes. There's so many applications out there. You got to fill out just fill out another one with us. But what's nice for us is that once you fill it out and you're accepted onto our platform, which is another thing you have to be accepted onto our platform. If you're an engineer listening to this, as of December six, when we record this, our platform is actually closed for new applicants. Wow! Okay, because we've experienced, we've had, we had, we were having seven hundred people a week trying to get on. I mean, it just, it's a crazy year, right? running to a halt. So I know
0: much like downturn. It's I know. Downturn. So we were
1: like, we got to figure out a better way to be intentional, and and bring people on the platform better, have a better experience because people were just like not getting feedback. I mean, all the shit we try to preach, we weren't doing. So we we're like, we need to, we need to fix this, and so. Put it on halt, um, but companies obviously can still hire from us. We have a great inventory and we're going to figure out how to open it up in 2024. But yeah, I mean, I think it's a really cool product. I, I think it really is the next future of recruiting. I think it puts the power back into the hands of both the hiring managers and the engineers. Love it. And all, and all we are as facilitators.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for telling me more about Gundaya. What else am I forgetting before we pivot? Anything?
1: Mm-mm.
0: It feels good. Thank you for telling me. Yeah, we've
1: been on 46 minutes. (laughs) I flew by. (laughs) It's such a good story. That's
0: the reason I do this podcast is to listen to people's stories, and you have a great one. So it makes it easy. I appreciate it. Um, We're going to do our perfect picks now. See how I tie in the cat thing there a little bit? Very good. Uh, It was pretty bad. Anyways. Here is my perfect pick while Taylor gets his. So I'm going through Edge uh, DB last night. Uh, I spun some stuff up. Amazing product. It's really neat. But I have to tell you, like, this story that they have um, for going through it should be like every developer ever should go through a story like this. So it basically lays out um, this like full. I think it's Dracula based. I didn't get very far through it, but when it when it kind of goes through like Transylvania and you start to set up like objects and types and things like that, that's the mindset a developer should always have. Of when you're going through the world and you see things, you see objects, you should think in classes. When you see, you know, uh, you need to track data on this thing, you should think of a table that creates it, and that's what this breaks down into. So it's one of the coolest things I've seen, in the illustrations. Um, are really dope, too. So they hired somebody to do all these illustrations. That is my pick for the week. Taylor, do you have something for me?
1: Yeah. Um, So I, ha- I have two things. So I'm kind of... uh You know, I kind of find a show and I kind of stay on it. So um it's not tech-related. Um I- I'm watching Suits on Netflix. Um, oh, nice. You know, obviously, it was really hot, I think, years ago. It's fascinating, man. I mean, it basically... I yeah, it's been did you, did you finish the whole thing?
0: I finished the whole thing, yeah. Like when it was still live. Oh, so did I'm, you really? I, I've probably forgotten a lot of like okay. Like, so I, I'm I right I saw now like the first episode or second episode the other day, and I was like, Oh wow, this takes me like
1: really yeah, back. so uh, we are at just to let you know where I'm at in it. Um uh, basically Mike and um and his uh, his girlfriend, I forgot her name, Megan Markle's character, um yeah. are, are planning their wedding. And they don't want a big wedding. I don't know if you remember that kind of that yep. whole drama. So that's where I'm at right now. I think like the end of season five. But oh, shit yeah. is crazy, man. Like the stuff that's going on, <laughs> it got me so stressed out the other day. I had to turn off. I never turn off TV shows. I was so stressed out. I was like, this, this is giving me anxiety. I had to turn it off. So suits, suits is great. How It's basically like for those of you who don't know, it's it's basically a law version of House. Remember House, the doctor movie. Oh yeah, I loved. I House. love House that MD. One. Yeah. yeah, House MD. How it's basically a lawyer version of House. Um, um, and so them. And also, I want to give a shout out. I'm just a big like this podcast has really helped me level up. I mean, just for my business knowledge and my um, economics knowledge. Um, is Group Chat podcast. Um, Group Chat podcast. I'm actually a part of their Discord. Um, I bought an NFT. I think you can still buy it. it's it, it, an NFT. It's just basically a membership to their Discord. But um, it, they they're three guys out in LA. Um, all they're, they're if If you're talking about like networking, their networks are deep. Like they, two of the guys went to USC Southern Cal, um, and all this stuff. And they're super in depth in the tech and entrepreneur space. Um, one of the brothers just raised a $56 million series B for his company. So nice, really, really cool. They do a lot of stuff. They talk about anywhere from Kim Kardashian and pop culture and skims to sports, to, business and economics and politics and what's really nice is that they're very outspoken about what they believe in like from a political perspective, but they're also very open to talking about differencing of opinions, which I really appreciate. Um so yeah, group chat is a great one. Um so yeah. That's, that's really cool. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. Check that out. Yeah, really, really good.
0: Sweet. Well thank you once again for joining me and, and telling us your story and getting to know you a little bit more and how to how to handle recruiters when you're a developer, like yeah. invite them in, let them take over your user group apparently. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have you on again. I'm sure you're going to grow like crazy.
1: i love that. Thanks man. I appreciate
0: Thank it. You. We'll see you next time.